0: Welcome to the Culture Wise podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here, we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Schugert, and I am joined today by Ross Anderson and Jill Johnson. Jill, along with her husband Greg Johnson, has been the director of uh, Standing Together, She's also a writer for Multiply Goodness, which we'll hear lots more about. And she is very passionate about building bridges for the gospel between um, people of traditional Christian background with those of an LDS background. So Jill, uh, tell us a little bit about how you became interested in ministry among the Latter-day Saint people.
1: You know, early in my life, uh, God just brought some really great friends that were LDS. And I started really doing some research to understand what's the difference between what they believe and, and what I believe. And uh, more specifically, I had a really close friend in high school where we were writing letters back and forth about some of the differences. And And I would write a whole bunch of stuff about their doctrine and, and what doesn't line up with God's word. And then she would go to her leaders and try to find answers for me. And then she would write back and we kind of went back and forth. And um, God just opened my eyes to a little bit different way of of doing things with her in in that he gave me a dream early on. And um, after the dream, I really was drawn to the passage in Scripture that talks about where um, Paul says that Apollos waters – and Paul plants, and God brings the increase, God brings the growth. And so at that point in my life, I started really um, using the the research that I had done as a backdrop to ministry and really going forward with um, c- love and kindness and friendship and um, giving them God's word through the way that I act and the way that I treated them. Mm-hmm. So it kind of changed the way that I did things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like even from a young age, you had a, a love for the Lord, a love for the lost and a desire to even share the gospel with your friend. How did how did that heart come to you? How did you even learn about what were some of these things you needed to bring up to her?
1: I think, you know, hearing from other people that had been in ministry to LDS people was really important because they had been doing it for many years. I grew up in a church where um, some of the people that created the Godmakers had attended, and so I asked them a lot of questions. It later became very controversial, and um, it was something that I think took us in another direction for for a period of time, even though it was good to kind of learn some Mm -hmm. of the things that they were studying. Um, I also, when I went to, to college, I met Greg Johnson, who is now my husband, but he was raised in the LDS church. And so I ended up spending some time with him kind of learning about his life story. And one of the things that really stood out to me was um, the way that his mom, came to Christ. And that was through a season in her life where she recognized that her husband was not going to um, do all the right things in order to become temple worthy. Mm -hmm. And she felt that that would have an impact on her eternal salvation. And so she had gone to a counselor who happened to be a traditional Christian, and the counselor invited her to a Bible study and in this Bible study, the women didn't bring up her, um, the doctrinal differences and they didn't even talk about her LDS faith. But hmm. what they did is they just went through the Bible and they yeah. loved her. And that ended up radically changing her life.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's very powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds kind of like um, the paradigm that Multiply Goodness uses. So that makes sense why you'd be involved in that. But I think you should help our listeners understand more about Multiply Goodness and what that is, what that movement is, um, what, you, what you guys are doing, your role as a writer and how that works out. But help us understand this whole strategy, this whole approach.
1: Yeah, it. you know, I think for – For many years in traditional Christian churches, we have looked at things that, um, you know, we've got to get numbers into our churches or we've got to um, figure out how to reach people. And this, the multiply goodness kind of movement, has been something that it really feels like God is doing, um, perhaps outside the church, but but he's using people inside the church to be involved in it. And um, I'm a firm believer in the local church. Our ministry with Standing Together is really working with pastors and um, encouraging them, loving them, and working with the, the local church. Um, because this thing is happening outside the church, I don't think that's wrong. And I think that the influence that it's having— um, may eventually um, bring people to the larger body of Christ, the Church as a whole. Um, but what we're doing with Multiply Goodness is—it's a fascinating story. Um, there is a LDS author named Emily Freeman who um, has been writing books for years, for mostly geared towards LDS women. She's had a lot of influence. And um, her desire at some point in her writing career was to kind of expand her audience. And that led her to come to some traditional Christian churches and just find out um, what we are reading and and what we're studying and could she have influence on us Hmm. and what she ended up finding in traditional Christian churches was that we really loved God's Word. And um, so she started attending a Bible study, grew an amazing love for God's Word, and decided in her writing to really help LDS women to develop this love for God's Word that that she has and to um, see it for something bigger than they had seen it in the past, and so she, along with another traditional Christian friend of hers, started Multiply Goodness. And what we do is uh, three times a year we put out a Bible study, spring and fall, and Christmas time. Christmas time we do an yeah. Advent study. And for for LDS women, the idea of Advent is a new thing for them, so that's been a neat thing. But um, we also do once a year a big event called the Jubilee. And at the event, we have um, we do worship, we have speakers, and we also have um, tent kind of breakup uh, sessions where um, one of the breakup sessions is the Multiply Goodness tent that we really teach whoever is there how to study the Bible. We go into Greek and Hebrew words and commentaries and understanding the history of uh-huh. what's happening. And it's just been fascinating to see how LDS re- women are hungry for this, and how they're responding to learning for themselves how to study God's word. They're they're excited about it, and um, they also don't just want to study the Bible amongst themselves, but they appreciate having traditional Christian women involved because. Um, partially, I think, because we've been studying the Bible a little bit longer than they have traditionally, but um, also because they're getting a little bit different perspective than they're hearing in their churches.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. A couple of things that come to mind, Jill, as you share about that. Just curious, understanding LDS culture, um, the eighth article of faith undermines the Bible in some ways, as we believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly. And in the Book of Mormon it does undermine the Bible too, in order to make room for additional scriptures. So I'm curious about um, the attitude that women in Multiply goodness from the LDS background bring to scripture. Do they have the? Do they have that traditional Mormon kind of caution or caveat? Or are they are they approaching the Bible just? As if it's the Word of God or kind of what what do you see in the attitude that, that people have toward the Bible when they come into your groups?
1: I think that women are coming from all different perspectives. And I think that um, the more traditional LDS woman is coming in with kind of a skepticism. But there's so many women that really love Emily Freeman's writing that they're kind of going along with okay she's she's taking us to a really great place and the thing that we're trusting as traditional christian women that are involved is in the power of god's word Mm -hmm. it has the power to change it has the power to split the soul and the spirit and so as they're learning god's word I believe their eyes are really being opened up to see what is true and and what is not. And um, we, during the Jubilee, we had an interview with a Gen Z LDS gal. And one of the questions she was asked is, what can the church do for you? Um, Just recognizing that both in the traditional Christian churches and in the LDS church, we're losing Mm -hmm. Gen Z. And one of the things that she said was, you know, we we know everything that you disagree with us, that you don't like about us. And um, we know what you're trying to tell us. But instead of hearing from you what God's word is, what God is saying to you, we want you to give us the tools to learn to hear from God ourselves. And I think that's a big part of this is that. We're giving them the tools to learn to study God's word themselves. And in the guided Bible studies, we're asking questions that are pointing them back to God's word so that the power is in God's word and not in anything that we mm-hmm. can do or say.
2: Yeah, that's pretty, that strikes me as being potentially incredibly subversive um, in the LDS culture. And I mean, time will tell, right? This is the, the kind of thing that. The, the results of these kind of um, activities, you know, you probably won't see them for a decade or a generation even. But I, I always felt like you got to keep the long view in mind in, in, in Utah and more LDS ministry. So for years ago, years ago, we opened a preschool because we felt like at our church, because we felt like that was it met a felt need. Because family pressures are so high, and 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 Mormon moms are really stretched, and so, and we thought, you know what, we didn't see a lot of the LDS moms uh, embracing opportunities to study the Bible, or to learn more about the biblical perspective. But we thought, you know, those kids are going to grow up with a completely different perspective about traditional Christianity than their parents had yeah, and so that's going to make a difference when they grow up. Anyway, the long so the long view really matters. Just a very trivial question, I'm just curious um, because the LDS Church, their official version of the Bible is the King James Version. So how do you guys handle translations and, you know, and versions of the Bible?
1: Yeah, this has been a fascinating thing for, for me to see. But I'm not sure if it started with Emily Freeman or if if others are doing this as well. But I remember the first Jubilee that I was a part of, and Emily came and and sat with us that we're going to be teaching. And she said, I want you to introduce the women to other translations of the Bible. And one of the things she said is that as her kids were younger, that she would use and with her grandkids, the NIV, because it was easier for them to understand. And so even for me as a traditional Christian, speaking to LDS women, I could say Emily Freeman uses the NIV with her children so they can understand it. And what we do in those settings is we'll bring physical Bibles and we'll bring parallel Bibles. And so they can see mm-hmm. the King James right next to the NIV and various other translations. And I was, I'm shocked to see how many people are open to many other translations. And they're asking me questions after our sessions, like, how can I get one of those? And we're talking about study Bibles in the ESV version yeah, or something yeah. like that. It's yeah. been really fascinating to see the shift over the years.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. In that area. Yeah. 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 So just as a, a side question, I've heard you use the phrase traditional Christian to differentiate from the Latter-day Saint. W- why do you choose that phrase? What is, what is in it for you?
1: the The phrase that I'm using there is very deliberate. Um, around the Protestant churches, sometimes we'll use the phrase "evangelical," and when you're with LDS people, they don't necessarily know what that means. Mm-hmm. And. And a lot of times they naturally see us as very divided. When they see a Baptist church and a Presbyterian church and a Lutheran church, they're not seeing the evangelical community. They're seeing separate denominations that believe separate things, and they assume that we are divided. And so the term traditional Christian is a way that I'm saying we are Christians and we're believing the traditional orthodox beliefs rather than um, throwing them under the bus and saying, you know, we are Christians and you are lds that's an offensive way to address it because you're basically saying you aren't christians and these yeah, days yeah. fascinating it wasn't this way back in the 80s when i right. start first started studying this but these days they really do want to be considered christians right. and so i think th- i that can only be a good thing you know it can they're saying we want to be associated with christ we want to to be associated with even traditional Christians sometimes, but that's just a way to distinguish between LDS and evangelicals per se. Yeah, that's
2: a great point. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little skeptical about the motives of the of the institutional church. I felt like at some point they they thought, you know, I think they're they're still motivated by proselytizing the rest of us. But what I've observed is that I don't have a problem with that I, because I think as they tried to lower the the threshold on the front end to, to invite more people to consider Mormonism, I think the unintended consequence is that they lowered the threshold on the back end too. So more and more LDS people are comfortable talking to, to other kinds, quote unquote, other kinds of Christians uh, because they 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 tried to uh, bridge that divide, I think for their own purposes that ends up bridging the divide for things that they never really probably envisioned or wanted to have happen. And I've always felt like um, I can, I have reasons to, to believe that LDS, uh, the LDS church institutionally is not Christian, of course, in the sense that we understand that word biblically, but I don't know about individuals. And then the other thing is, is that if I make that a, an issue, then I've lost the real conversation. I don't want to get bogged down in debates about labels. I want to talk about the real issues. Where do you stand with God? And so sometimes I can I can use that as a way to say, well, let's talk about what a Christian is. What do you mean? What do you understand that to be? I can do that in an individual dialogue. I can't really do it in in broad terms. So I've just said it's not worth it to fight that debate in public. It's just not fruitful. In fact, it's negative, and and it can be dealt with individually if necessary, mm-hmm. you know, if the question comes up.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I was reading recently was in uh, Psalms 89, verse 14. And it it uses the term um, herald, where mm-hmm. it's talking about the kingdom of God. and And what heralds in the kingdom of God is mercy and truth. And so as we have kindness and mercy towards those around us, And as we're sharing the truth Mm -hmm. with them, that's what's heralding Mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. And every one of us, our theology is off somewhere. And if people are going to focus on where my theology is off... They're not going to have a whole lot of influence on me because I'm wanting to move forward, and hopefully tomorrow my theology is a little bit better than it is today. You know, and as I grow older, it will just get better. But the people that are going to have influence on my life are those that are showing me mercy mm-hmm. and grace, and um, and pointing me to the truth. Yeah. And God's word yeah. is the power has the power to do that.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you about this. This is a personal, a little bit personal because I have a niece that she was for a while she was living in California, in Southern California, surrounded by these mega churches and so forth. And she was attending a women's Bible study group at a prominent evangelical church in Southern California. Everybody would know who they this church is. I don't need to name them. Um, and she was attending this this group. I thought this is awesome. And then they moved back to Utah and we've had a lot, a lot of conversation with, with the couple and um, her perspective is now like we have just, so she'll just say, oh, we have so much in common. We have all this in common. And I want to say, well, maybe we, there's, I don't really know how to talk about the things that we don't necessarily have in common because I feel like she's um, naive about that. And I feel like, that has you know, kind of her experience in that group. I was frustrated with that because I thought, like, wait, wait, wait. So uh, how come I want more to happen in her life? So how do you measure? How do you live with that tension or that frustration of seeing, like, oh, we're doing these things. We have these people are in these groups, and yet the things that I would love to see happen in their life are not really visible to me. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you kind of deal with that sort of – we want to see more – cut-and-dried kind of, yeah. like, results, right?
1: Yeah. I think, you know, that's a common thing that we hear, those of us traditional Christians that live here in Utah, is when we're talking with LDS people, they want to say, we, we're pretty much the same. We're we're all Christians, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, for me, that's been an open door to start a conversation because you can either just leave it at that and, and go on your way and everybody's happy. Or you can say, you know, I think there are some pretty significant differences And you can graciously talk about Mm -hmm. some of those things whenever that conversation comes. But I think that that has to happen in the context of relationship
2: Mm -hmm. where
1: somebody already trusts you and they know that you love them and that you're not going to attack them because their beliefs are different than Mm -hmm. yours. Mm -hmm. And so those conversations can have some really big impact if you handle them
0: correctly. Yeah,
2: that makes sense.
0: Um, so, you're a writer with the Multiply Goodness. What can you tell us about the process of writing? What, what does that look like for you, and, and how does it? Um, work with some of the other leaders of Multiply Goodness?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we have both LDS writers and traditional Christian writers, which um, some people have issue with that. But what we do is we all have say with what everybody else is writing as Mm -hmm. well. And so if there's something that's said that doesn't line up with scripture, then It's out and we've got to rewrite this. Our whole goal is to point everybody back to the scriptures with our questions Mm -hmm. and with our writing. And so we have a lot of eyes on it. And there are times from both sides that we're writing something that's not going to go well with the other side. And a lot of prayer goes into this. Um, Somebody was telling me the other day, well, it was Emily was talking about her um, the weight of the safety for people in this event that that she's involved in we one year we had a huge storm came in and she was very concerned about the safety for everybody that was there
0: sure. yeah
1: and and I said, Emily, that weight that you feel for the those people is um, the weight that we feel as writers. For that the Holy Spirit is speaking. This is their spiritual lives that are being impacted hmm. by what we're writing mm-hmm. here. And so even as I'm reading through other people's writing, I'm praying through the whole time. Holy Spirit, help me to see what in here, if there's anything that doesn't line up with your word. And then we go back to the table with that and, and it's changed. And and it impacts not only those that are doing the study, but it impacts us as writers too to continually go back and to make sure that it falls in line with with God's word. So it's quite a process um, but it's a it's an amazing process and and something I really enjoy doing
2: mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like it sounds like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me like what I hear you saying is you're trying to write in a way that gives, people an opportunity to sort of to interact with scripture itself without their filters right yes. without their doctrinal frameworks or their institutional filters or worldview stuff like that
1: that's a great way to say um, it yeah
2: so so you're asking LDS writers to sort of bracket their filters and just interact directly with the text of Scripture is that kind of what yes what's that's, happening yeah there? okay and yet um, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting conversations around that, right? I'm sure. Um my bigger question, I sorry, I think this takes on a tangent, but I I wonder like how does the institutional LDS church feel about this whole thing? Cuz yeah, it, like, it, it seems like again, it seems a little subversive to me in terms of empowering women, which is, you know, in the patriarchy of of Mormonism and and especially engaging women with a Bible with the Bible that's not this Specifically, not being filtered through the LDS institutional grid. Um, do you ever hear any rumblings or any, you know, uh, you know, as, at some point they'll pay attention. Maybe it gets big enough or, or, or if somebody, you know, Crosses a line or something, they might pay attention. Have you heard any anything so far about how the institutional church responds to this?
1: Yes, and they are paying attention. There, there was a meeting a few years ago with um, some of the higher ups in the LDS Church on the women's side of thing that met with um, our team hmm. and just asked some questions to see where where are you going with this and and hmm. what is all this about? Yeah. I think there's enough influence that it's on their radar. Yeah. And I believe that they walked away feeling really good about what they're doing because how can you say anything bad about helping people to love God's word, you know? Right. If right. if that's the ultimate goal, they, they can't say anything bad about that because that's their scripture as well. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine there's certainly some criticisms from the LDS church that have maybe come up, but it sounds like they're kind of calmed and they they feel comfortable with the way that Emily is leading out with this initiative. But ha- have you also faced some criticism from the traditional Christian side?
1: Yes, I think on the traditional Christian side, you know, sometimes we kind of put things in a box of this is how it's always been done, this is what need the way that you need to continue to do it. But I think in our world today, especially after COVID, I think a lot of pastors are asking the question of what do we need to change? What hmm. There's something not working here anymore. And I think for years, it's been about the world's idea of success. It's been, you know, let's get more people in our seats. Let's um, say the right thing, do the right thing, have the right production. And I think these kind of things really take it out of God's hands. Sure. It's it's man's way. It's religion. It's man's mm-hmm. way of trying to figure out how do we get people to believe the same way we're believing. And what's happening with Multiply Goodness is really outside of that box. And so we get questions, Greg and I, within our ministry of standing together, you know, sometimes people want to know, well, how many people were converted? Or right, um, right. we want to know numbers and and we want to know what's happening here. But And that's the world's idea of success, you know. But when I get an open door to, to write a Bible study that... LDS women are reading and learning from and growing from. I, you know, I'm going to take it. I'm Mm going to, I'm Mm going to jump on it. Mm -hmm. And something that I've noticed with some pastors is that I, you know, I've asked them, can we get more traditional Christian women to be involved in this? It's, it's a little bit difficult because it's so outside of that normal box that we're used to. And, and some pastors want to know, like, well, how is it going to get these women in my church like we already have bible studies in our church so why not just invite these LDS women that are hungry from God's word into our church to go to our bible studies but they're not going to do that they're not going to do that there's no. still
2: there's still too large of a divide yes they, they need they're try, they need to do it within their own context which is which is known and safe and they're not looking there's a stigma in Mormonism of associated with attending a different church. Yes, you know, so that I think that 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 would make sense culturally that you w- you would probably have trouble getting yeah. people to walk into the doors of another church, even for a neutral event. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and and I think too what this does <gasps> is instead of putting the focus on me or us as pastors or spiritual leaders and what we're doing, it puts the focus on God and it glorifies God because this thing, there's no way that you could have put me in front of LDS women and said, hey, you know, read my Bible study or, um, you know, let me teach you how to study the Bible. I, I couldn't do that because I don't have a voice in that community until Emily Freeman comes along and says, Hey guys, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to study the Bible. We want to know God's word more. And then Emily gives me a voice in that, but it becomes that God gets the glory for that because there's no way that we can orchestrate that. And it's not about success of, of the numbers and the people in our churches and Mm -hmm. that it's something that God is doing to draw people to himself.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what other criticisms have you become aware of from the traditional Christian perspective?
1: Um I think that that we're not actively pointing out some of the differences mm. is probably the biggest criticism that we get. Uh, also another criticism is um you know working with LDS and traditional Christian writers together. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's where I have to trust the power of God's word to to really shine through. Um, I don't know that we're doing it perfectly. I trust that God's going to use it regardless. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of already talked through the, you know, not pointing out the differences and, and just letting God's word speak for Mm -hmm. itself.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that could be frustrating to people. I know a lot of people who would say, man, you had an opportunity there to really correct bad theology. You know, how come you didn't take it kind of thing. Um, and that's again where I think the whole the whole bigger picture here, Jill. That what I hear you saying is that um, uh, you, there's certain things that are that are in our control, like how you write the curriculum. But there's huge things that are out of our control that only God only God can change a human heart, or only yeah. God can only the Spirit of God can bring conviction or you know open open someone's heart and mind to the Word. I can't do that. Yeah, you know, so I have to trust that God will do that. And and you know what, <clears throat> realistically, you have an opportunity to have a forum here with with you know hundreds of women, and and we just know biblically and experientially that not all of them are going to come to faith, right? No matter what, no matter what right. the forum is, if it's a different forum, if it's Billy Graham doing a crusade, you know, in a stadium, you, not all of them are going to come to faith, but some will, and we don't know, you know, who is who is and who isn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of helps us to, we just have to, we have to trust God with the results, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think I'm hearing more and more these days, LDS women talking about being saved by grace alone mm-hmm. and trusting in Christ for their salvation yeah. alone. Hmm. And, and that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of other things that they're believing that wouldn't line up with what I believe, but it's really powerful to hear i'm i'm trusting in christ alone for my salvation
2: yeah so how, so how would you respond to the person who says well then they need to leave the mormon church
1: <laughs> it's that's a hard thing because i'm trusting that god has all of us on a journey and none of our churches are perfect um, there there are a lot of things in historical mormonism that um, are not in line with god's word yeah totally and i'm not the one to tell them all of this is wrong and you got to go in this direction what god has called me to do is to share his word with them and what i've seen over and over again Is as they learn to study God's word and as they read God's word, that they're recognizing that some of the things they've been taught Mm -hmm. in the past are not true. And and that's happening within traditional Christian world, too, Mm -hmm. is that we're seeing, wow, we've always done it this way. We've always been taught this way. And and we're learning something new. I think God is doing some amazing things right now, yeah, yeah. and I think we need to leave the control in His hands and um, stop strategizing about how I personally can make impact or or mm-hmm. bring change.
2: Yeah, I've always felt like the the more what's happening is that you're helping people to adopt a new standard of truth and reality. If, as they begin to swing to scripture, that begins to become the standard for them. And like you said, then they begin to evaluate things in light of that. Yes, well, That's not an overnight thing. Right. Um, and my experience has always been that once people who are LDS have a, a legitimate, life-changing conversion experience and meet Jesus in that real way, that eventually the Holy Spirit will lead them out of Mormonism because of that there'll be this cognitive dissonance. The standard it, it won't it won't match the standard anymore. But that takes time, and 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 there's also a lot of things in Mormonism that uh, the thing about one of the things about Mormonism is that. You know, it doesn't demand an orthodoxy. There's a lot of idiosyncratic belief within Mormonism already. Um, you know, so there's no statement of faith necessarily of Mormonism that they in, in invoke or ask people to sign or whatever. So I think there's room in even within Mormonism for a lot of personal um, faith worldview journeying. Yeah. Um, the, the Mormonism isn't going to kick them out, um, you know, and so they'll stay for other reasons family reasons and so forth until the Holy Spirit is the one who will typically, will I think, draw them out and, yeah. they'll, and they'll realize, oh, that I can't fully express or follow um, my my new biblical understanding of Jesus in this context. They need yeah. a different context.
1: I think that's why it makes it hard to mm-hmm. have conversations with LDS people about their doctrine mm-hmm. because they don't all believe the same things. Uh, someone once said that um examining the doctrines of the LDS church is like trying to nail jello to the wall wow. yeah. because you just you there's so many things over all the years and and some people are saying well I don't really believe those historical things or I'm a this kind of an LDS person not this kind of an LDS person and so if we try to keep taking them back to their history and what has happened in history and the, the doctrines, then we may be trying to pull them to something t- that they don't actually
0: believe.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in, in what way can our listeners take some of the things that you've learned uh, over these last few years and, and put it into their lives as they engage with Latter-day Saints?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. If you are a woman listening to this, um, I would say – if you have someone in your life that's of the opposite faith, um, that it would be great to go through these studies with them. It's even if you do it one on one, LDS women love these studies because Emily Freeman's involved and traditional Christian women. This is just an opportunity to have these discussions about God's word and um. I think that that's a great way to kind of break the ice, to speak about your faith with your LDS neighbors and friends. There are people doing these small groups all across the world. Um, And you can go to the website, multiplygoodness.com and see if there's a group near you. And if there's not, then you can start one, whether it's just with one person or, or two people. Um, But they've been great and Pastors and ministry leaders, and of all genders, I think we should be talking about this. We should be, I shouldn't say all genders, both genders. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we should be talking about these things even as you um, have women in your faith communities that you see have a love for God's word. Um, introduce them to multiply goodness and ask them to reach out to the LDS neighbors and friends and, and to start these groups so that they can go deeper in God's word.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's, what's an immediate next step that someone could take if they, if they want to grow in the tools? I, I really appreciate your story of the gal at the Jubilee event, um, who just said, we don't, we don't necessarily need to be told what, the truth is we, we need to learn the tools to discover it for ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think the the important thing is, is that we're creating disciples, that we're um, not just learning and regurgitating what we're learning, but that we're taking the time to develop those friendships, those relationships. And so what we're talking about is uh, it has impact over a long period of time. And so reach out to that neighbor that you haven't had a conversation with for a while, you know, reach out to, um, somebody, even if it's another faith, we're specifically talking about LDS, but no matter where you are, um, there's people in your lives that, that are not surrendered to Christ that, Mm -hmm. that don't, um, believe that God's word is powerful. And so reach out, have that coffee date, have the, um, time, the one-on-one time to, to really start pursuing relationship with people, not with the intent of conversion, but with the intent of showing them um, how you knowing God more has impacted your life hmm. and um, loving them and, and sharing relationship with them in a way that they can see Christ through you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That's really helpful to hear. Thanks for joining us today, Jill. I appreciate learning from you and hearing from your experiences.
1: Thank you. This has been great.
0: Yeah. Again, this is the CultureWise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.